Good day, and welcome to Free to Be Faithful. I'm moderator Kip Allen. Free to Be Faithful is a religious education and awareness program created by the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod in response to increasing governmental and secular incursions into religious life. Being free doesn't mean without cost. Often, that cost is crippling. Undercover journalists with the Center for Medical Progress are paying the cost for exposing Planned Parenthood's marketing of aborted baby body parts for profit. One of the journalists, David Lydon, who is being defended by the Thomas More Society. Thomas More Society attorney Peter Breen is my free-to-be-faithful guest today on Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. One of the people who's really paid a price for being free to be faithful is David DeLayden, who is the Center for Medical Progress undercover journalist who exposed Planned Parenthood's uh, trafficking of baby body parts. One of the attorneys representing him is Mr. Peter Breen with the Thomas More Society. Peter, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me, Kip. Hey, Peter, uh, what is the status of the situ- of uh, Mr. Delight right now? Last I heard, he had to raise $600,000 just to challenge a ruling against him, or he was going to have all of his assets being forfeited to Planned Parenthood. Well, and, and that was, uh, thankfully, uh, due to an incredible amount of generous uh, support from, from folks from around the country, who came up uh, very quickly, very generously. We believe that we've got the $600,000 in hand. Uh, David's got it so that he will be able to to proceed on appeal and challenge this absolutely outrageous uh, jury verdict and then uh, judge decision, uh, the entry of judgment, which would essentially shut down undercover journalism across the country if we can't get it reversed. What... uh what happens now? Is, is, is this standard that where a person has to raise that kind of money just to appeal the decision? Well, and, and that's the problem when you have these uh, just a, an unjust, uh, improper $2.3 million jury verdict. Uh, you, you have to post a bond in order to go on appeal. Uh, and in fact, you know, we, he was going to, if the judge hadn't acted, we would have had to have posted uh, 2.3 million, which of course you couldn't have done. And it, that would, would have meant essentially shutting down uh, everything David is doing. And you know, f- as you said, forfeiting everything. Uh, so it, it would have meant pretty much grinding to a halt, the center for medical progress, all of the wonderful work being done uh, on baby body parts trafficking uh, by David and his team right now. Well, that's incredible. Uh, the judge, I, as I remember the uh, in the civil trial there, the judge actually said he was going to declare that David was guilty. And all, the only thing a jury had to do was to decide how much that he had to pay. Well, and, and he, what he did, he started it. So if you can imagine, you're on a jury, you've been sitting through a seven-week jury trial, and we come to the end of it, and you're not lawyers, but you're handed a 50-page verdict form. And the first words on there are, I have found the, the defendants liable of for trespass. That was the first thing on there. You just need to figure out, just add up the numbers and tell us how much they were harmed. And so when you start that way, you just start on a bad foot. And then, you know, he didn't say, he didn't hold us liable for every claim, but by starting that way, pretty much the jury just said, well, we're going to award the full amount for every single claim, whether the judge said they were you know liable for it or not. 
And so it, it made for a terrible verdict form. You know, there, were, there clearly was not a lot of uh, thinking back and forth. And, and, and I, I don't blame the members of the jury. They're not lawyers. And again, you're looking at a 50 page verdict form. You've been sitting there for seven weeks, hadn't been able to chat. Uh, with one another for those seven weeks. And you get in there and go, oh, well, you know, he told us just to add up the damages. Well, and so then they did. And, uh, you know, that then eventually ended up being $2.3 million. And that's before attorney's fees, uh, which the judge is now considering. Well, one of the things that uh, strikes me on this entire case is that Planned Parenthood never refuted any of the videos that were that were that were posted in fact i think they uh, even uh, i think it was uh, fusion gps which is very pro abortion actually said that none of the uh, the videos that were posted in any way really put words in their mouths and then later as uh, as the trial proceeded there were uh, people who said under oath that well yeah well uh, what David said was was correct. We 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 really did not expect privacy. Things like that. Well, and and remember, you know, David caught them red-handed, manipulating abortion procedures to get more valuable fetal tissue, uh, changing those procedures, and then you know, selling fetal tissue and organs for profit. Babies are being born alive. I mean, just just horrible stuff. You know, messing. Uh, they were doing what appeared to be illegal partial birth abortions. He caught them red-handed on that front. And, you know, the initial cry from Planned Parenthood was, oh, 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 it's deceptively edited, which is always the, the cry of someone who is caught in the act by an undercover journalist. It, but what happened was, as we proceeded through the case, through the discovery process and then into trial, Planned Parenthood pulled back and pulled back and pulled back. To the end of the day, at the end of the trial, they went on the record and admitted to the jury Every word spoken was from the mouth of their employees. There was nothing manipulated. And so that was, uh, you know, that was a great, it was a moral victory for us. Uh, but it's the sort of thing the people of this country, and frankly, the, the members of the jury should have known that from the beginning of the trial. And again, the people of this country need to know everything that David uncovered has now borne itself out to be true. And so uh, all of those dirty deeds absolutely backed up by evidence today. Well, looking at it as a journalist, you know, I, I would say my thought is, well, gee, you know, they're, they're trained to do a libel action. And of course, truth is an absolute defense against libel, but that's not really what they were doing. Uh, eventually, as you pointed out, they admitted that it was correct, that uh, what David uh, said and posted was, was true. So what on earth are they claiming? How are they claiming that they've been harmed? And this was uh, this has been one of our arguments from the beginning that the First Amendment, you know, your your right to free speech and the freedom of the press, protected David entirely from any sort of damages action, just the same way it protects ABC when they were sued by Food Lion 20 years ago. Uh, many other entities that have uh, tried to sue undercover journalists, they fail because the judge applies the First Amendment and says, no, 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 you you can't get damages based on the wrongdoing that you that you spoke about and was uncovered. So the point is, if the the damage is caused because the people hear the publication, they heard the words and were outraged. Well, you don't get any damages for that. However, in our lawsuit, uh, Planned Parenthood was able to claim for those damages. And so. And, and then at the end of the day, you know, in that that 50 page plus packet that the jury got, they got an instruction that said the First Amendment, not only that the First Amendment, uh, they, they should have gotten instruction saying the First Amendment protected David. 
But they didn't. We didn't get that. We actually got the exact opposite, that the First Amendment was no defense and has no application to this lawsuit. And that's outrageous. Uh, there's there is no world in which the First Amendment can't apply to an undercover journalism lawsuit. And in this case, it should have been enough to have the thing thrown out. Well, in fact, uh, the person who initiated the uh, the proceedings against David, uh, that was now Senator and now Vice Presidential Candidate Kamala Harris, uh, had actually commended another group of undercover journalists for doing exactly what David Delight did. Right. And, and so this was the thing. So as, as we're facing uh, Planned Parenthood, the National Abortion Federation in federal court, so in a civil case, you've got the, you know, the, the big, big abortion industry coming after David. You then had the law enforcement side, Attorney General Kamala Harris, uh, then attorney, and then after her, Attorney General Javier Becerra, who was the House uh, top leader in the uh, United States House for the Democrats. Together, they they were meeting with Planned Parenthood on a regular basis as they were designing a criminal prosecution of David. And again, as you mentioned, Attorney General Harris was lauding people that had taped in settings that were 10 times more private than anything David did. And David was very careful, especially in California, to make sure to tape only in places where there were lots of other folks around, where they could be overheard. So there were public restaurants. Uh, there were exhibit halls at you know, 800-person conventions. Uh, he actually turned down opportunities to go into private medical offices at Planned Parenthood's in California because he knew that law and didn't want to violate it. Uh, so you've got Kamala Harris, who sent 11 DOJ agents in to take, take David's uh, drives and everything out of his apartment uh, as she's meeting with Planned Parenthood and you know, doing having to-do lists for them. So all of this, uh, David has been put upon by both the, the big abortion industry privately, by the government of the state of California unjustly. Uh, and so we've been fighting back hard, though, and we're really scoring, we're scoring points. Uh, it is, it's tough slog, uh, tough slog, though. You know, we, we, we just had a preliminary hearing in the criminal case that was brought by the attorney general, and we were able to get five of the charges thrown out, uh, sixth one uh, going as well, and uh, pretty much half the settings where they had uh, where they had brought claims. So we're we're now on appeal though to get the rest of them thrown out. This whole process though has been just just incredibly difficult on David, uh, on uh, on our team. Uh, but we're glad to fight it. Uh, I know you know David is one of those that he's just a happy warrior on this. How is David holding up? I mean, he's a young man uh, who's, who's obviously been on a, on a crusade here to do something that he believed was right. And he must feel like the entire world has come down on him. Well, it, it, I mean, imagine he's, he was 23 years old when he designed this and went undercover. And now he's 30. Uh, so he is a much older man than he was when he started. But he is, uh, you know, Half the country wants to string him up. The other half wants to canonize him. And so, you know, he it's actually a little, you know, you, you kind of you, you worry about him on both ways. You know, I mean, because obviously so many people want to do uh, do harm to him. Uh, but then, you know, also, you know, you don't want to listen to all of your, uh, you know, your you don't want to listen to your haters. You don't want to listen to also to everybody who, uh, who loves you so much. He keeps a very grounded spiritually. I know he has a very uh, strong spiritual director and uh, and he's just a happy warrior. He is really a, a guy that just. You know, he likes uh, he likes to go in and mix it up with Planned Parenthood and those guys. And, and he will he'll take on the world if uh, if it's for a cause that is just. Well, let's go back to the civil case for a moment. 
How does Planned Parenthood say that they were damaged? This is the thing that I don't quite get. Well, there were two ways that they were allowed to bring uh, to bring damages. One was uh, that uh, the judge said, well, if you published videos of these uh, particular you know, abortion doctors, uh, you knew they were going to be targeted. And so uh, they had all sorts of expenses to, to repair their reputation. They had security guards and all of this other stuff. But at the end of the day, anybody who was the subject of an undercover journalism project where they said bad things or did bad things, they would be in the same position as these abortionists. So there's no reason they should have been allowed to bring those those claims up as damages. Did did they spend the money? Sure, sure, that's fine. But they spent the money the same way any company that got caught with its hand in the cookie jar would would have to spend the money, or any dirty politician that caught got caught on tape, uh, you know, trying to sell a vote or something like that. Same thing. The other the other part of their damages was they were given huge amounts of money to secure their future conferences. So even though David's on national television talking about what he did and how they did it and everybody else, and there was no way that Planned Parenthood's ever going to let David or any of his team back into their conferences, they were able to pretty much get free security for the future. So they were able to submit all their new ID scanners and the fancy technology they now use. We had to pay the bill. And, you know, there's there are other principles of law, which is which are, hey, if you know, even if somebody does wrong, you don't get to then triple your, you know, get a, get a brand new security system out of that uh, unless you credibly believe that that person is going to come back and you're trying to keep them from, uh, you know, from from doing it again. But there was nobody that thought that David was going to be coming back in. I mean, again, he's on national television. They know exactly who he is. And, uh, you know, his his front company, Biomax Procurement Services, that was doing fetal tissue, obviously their cover was blown. And just like any time when an, when an undercover investigation becomes public, the cover's blown. You know, every everything everything stops and you tell the public uh, exactly what you've been up to and, and how you've been doing it, which is exactly what David did. Very much cards on the table with David and his team. Now, they were claiming that uh, they had to take security measures. Well, what about David? I, I, I'd be willing to bet that he's received numerous death threats. It, it, uh, it's been rough on him. Uh, you know, it, it, uh, I mean, one advantage, frankly, you know, he's, he's able to, uh, you know, as, as a single man, you know, younger guy, you know, he, he doesn't have to worry about a family there, uh, you know, and having them being threatened like, uh, you know, so many others are having their families threatened uh, who are in the, the pro-life movement. Uh, but, uh, but David was able, he is, he, is, he is fighting through it. You know, he, he, we report them to the FBI, uh, you know, all of the various threats that he gets. And, uh, you know, again, it, it, it's the sort of thing. No one should be threatened on either side. But uh, you can't blame the the undercover journalist who caught you with your hand in the cookie jar for what other people are sending you on emails or social media, you know, bad things that they're sending. You just we can't do that. Um, that, that our system of government doesn't work if if I expose some wrongdoing you've done, and, and it was it was so outrageous that member that some members of the public, you know, millions of people, you know, took to the streets and peacefully picketed and protested, but then some people, you know, went an extra step. I mean, I'm not responsible for that just as a speaker, you know. Uh, and so that that was a thing that uh, it, it's a it's a principle that that we as Americans have to uh, have to follow. And the free speech clause of the First Amendment requires it. Unless you go out and specifically use fighting words against someone, uh, you know, or one of the very 
very narrow claims, you know, urging violence, you're not responsible uh, for what some third party does. Yeah, I think there have been court case after court case that has said that comments that you make a statement, then you're responsible for your statement, but you're not responsible for the statements or comments of other people who are reacting to what you said. Right. Well, there was a recent case, uh, uh, someone sued President Trump uh, because uh, they had suffered some damage. You know, they said, oh, well, I was I was hurt. Uh, I, and I don't know if they were being taken out of one of his pro, you know, like uh, they went into one of his rallies and they were looking to cause trouble. And I think they may have been injured as they were, you know, tossed out. And so they tried to sue the president saying, well, you, you know, you said that, uh, you know, did you, you know, you were encouraging violence. And of course, they went back to the ta- to the tape and he wasn't. You know, he didn't. And and so, you know, just our American principle is we, we don't hold people responsible for something that someone else does. Uh, and again, with undercover journalists, the, the if the public is outraged, it means the undercover journalism was especially effective. It means that they use the First Amendment in an especially effective way. So we don't punish people for having better First Amendment advocacy. Uh, you know, if 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 David's videos had come out to the public and no one paid any attention and no one did anything, we wouldn't applaud that. You know, that's that's not the way it's supposed to go. You know, it's it's the fact that the public was outraged. That's that's kudos to him, not uh, let's go sue you and, and take millions of dollars from you. Well, now that we've got on to the appeal side, I mean, you know, that David now has raised the funds where he can appeal it. Where does it go from here? What's the procedure? So we go to the Ninth Circuit. We're in briefing right now. Uh, we're getting the appeal record put together. Uh, and so that process, the briefing will work over the next few months. At some point then, uh, you will see us uh, assigned to a panel and you'll get an oral argument date. And that is going to be a really big deal. Uh, the oral argument on this case, uh, you know, certainly huge record, you know, five years of litigation. Uh, and so I don't know how long they'll give you. You know, it's it's so interesting. You do this for five years and then maybe they give you 15, 20 minutes, might even give us 30 minutes. You know, you, you'd hope that they will because the case is so important and it was so, uh, so complex. Uh, and and we'll we'll go in front of three judges chosen at random. So there are three judges chosen at random. At this point, the Ninth Circuit is almost evenly split between Republicans appointees and Democrat appointees. And so it really, uh, you just don't know. I mean, you could get three Trump appointees or you could get three Obama appointees. Uh, and that uh, that could change the way that the, the, case, uh, the case gets heard. I mean, who knows? Uh, because it is such a charged case because of the issue of abortion. And then after that, they will issue a decision and and whoever loses will probably petition for uh, for another for a rehearing in front of the whole Ninth Circuit and uh, and then up to the Supreme Court after that. So I I don't think this case is going to be over anytime soon. You know, as, as many folks know, you know, the Thomas More Society started with now v. Scheidler, which went on for 28 years uh, plus three trips to the Supreme Court. We're hoping not to have to repeat that. We hope we can get it taken care of at the Ninth Circuit. But uh, but we will fight as long as we have to in order to get justice. What about the criminal aspect? As you pointed out, uh, David is under criminal indictment. Right. And and we are, uh, I'll tell you, uh, the fact that we are in San Francisco uh, for the criminal case, I mean, that is the most hostile jurisdiction for pro-life, uh, a pro-life defendant in the country. 
Uh, so it is, it's, it'd be a tough jury if we do have to go to the jury. But at the same time, we've got some great arguments uh, in the preliminary hearing, which we had a two and a half uh, week preliminary hearing at the end of last year. And again, we got half of the settings. They sued over, they, they, they brought charges against him over four settings. We got two of the settings, the charges related to two of the settings thrown out. We think we've got great arguments on the other two. We are slowly chipping away at each of the charges. We are in front of the, the California Court of Appeals right now, hoping to get them to, to throw out more of these charges, hopefully all of them. And then we'll go to the California Supreme Court if we need to, in order to get the rest of the case resolved. And if, not, if that doesn't work, then we're back in the trial court. We are in front of a San Francisco jury, uh, maybe next year at some point. And uh, I mean, right now, I mean, David and uh, and his co-defendant, uh, Sandra Susan Merritt, they're looking at a decade in San Quentin for doing the same sorts of things that any other undercover journalist in California uh, does. And uh, and I would remind you, your your listeners, every week there are undercover journalists, mainstream media reporters, in the big big TV markets in California putting out undercover studies. Um, and they are taping in places that are much more private than anything David ever contemplated. There's been a long history of that. I remember uh, there was an undercover journalist uh, by the name of David Horowitz some years ago who would do that in, in L.A. And uh, the, the guy was lionized. He, he writes a lot of wrongs. Right. And, and there's a gentleman named, uh, I believe it's David Goldstein, uh, in Los Angeles right now, who is, I mean, he's doing wonderful work. Uh, he found uh, uh, medical professionals were selling, uh, they were selling handicapped parking spot, uh, uh, those those decals, you know, they could they could sell the, the diagnosis. Well, in order to do that, he went into medical offices, closed the door behind him, and it was just him and the, the doctor. Well, that's pro- more private than anything David Delide never did. Uh, and there are plenty of other examples, you know, whether it's uh, uh, dirty politicians, dirty lawyers, uh, you know, just, uh, uh, you know, I, I've seen uh, studies where, uh, you know, folks were mishandling food. So they, they were leaving uh, fruit and vegetables or, or meat, leaving meat out in the sun for hours. And uh, you know, look, I mean, we, we, we need undercover journalists to do the things that just, you know, the government can't take care of it, uh, you know, private people can't really take care of it. You need trained undercover journalists to go and, and uncover this stuff. Uh, and so it, without that, I mean, I, I, we can't govern ourselves as a people without that, that sort of input from, uh, from undercover journalists. Well, as you pointed out, the San Francisco venue is probably the most hostile to the pro-life movement in the state of California. Was there any possibility of changing the venue or who chose that that was going to be done in San Francisco? Well, and that's the thing, even, even, uh, you know, not to get too technical, but but even going to Los Angeles uh, in the Los Angeles area, Southern California would have been much more friendly uh, to someone like David. And I mean, frankly, you'd, you'd want to have people you'd want to be able to point to the evening news uh, during your trial and just say, hey, members of the jury. I mean, shoot, you know, you're, you're watching this stuff uh, on your TV. Why is this guy going to go to San Quentin for a decade for doing not even what you rely on from your news media there you know, right here locally? Uh, and, and San Francisco, they were able to go to San Francisco because there was a, a national abortion federation conference there, but still the case really should have been brought Southern California. But, you know, we, we, we looked at every angle to try to get it moved. We were unable to do so. And, uh, look, we're just going to fight through. And 
look, the, the good people of San Francisco are, are, I mean, they're good Americans too. Uh, they're going through a lot, frankly, themselves uh, right now between the wildfires and all the crime and everything else, uh, just, just the terrible poverty that is afflicting their streets. I think we'll be able to we'll be able to 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 win it, but you always want to have a jury in theory that agrees with you on the fundamental principles, and uh, and so we're we're going to have to overcome that as as we uh, as we work there in San Francisco. I, I can I just imagine some of the questions that might be asked a potential juror. I mean, for example, are you pro-life or pro-abortion? It it well, and and I'll tell you in our in our civil case that we we did at the end of last year. Uh, if you looked at the jury questionnaires of our potential jurors, uh, all of them had uh, a very, very high opinion of Planned Parenthood. So you, you know, even folks that we had just a, a, a handful out of maybe I can't remember, 60 or so potential jurors, maybe there were a handful that, that were willing to say they were pro-life. So, you know, the, the nation is roughly evenly split. But there, I mean, if we had more than five out of 60, I would have been shocked. But again, everyone had a positive impression of Planned Parenthood, and they had a negative impression, for the most part, of pro-life activism. Uh, and so it really, we, we were in a tough spot uh, to go in. And again, I, I don't want to, um, you know, folks are, people are people, uh, but boy, when you've got a whole group of folks that are, that walking in the door appear to be aligned against you, it's tougher. It's much tougher as, a, uh, as an attorney to, to make the case to them. Uh, but, you know, you try to meet them where they're at and then move them, move them to where you want them to go. The last time I was called up for a jury, uh, one of the questions was, ask what was my religion? And uh, I objected them asking that. But uh, I, I, I can see that, that, you know, if someone knew, for example, in an abortion case that I'm a member of the LCMS, you know, the our church is strongly against it. So... Right, right. Well, and, and uh, that is it normally in a normal circumstance, obviously, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't reveal that just as, as you know, to the government. But in a jury trial where where moral issues are at play, I mean, we we wanted to know, uh, yes, do you I mean, both sides wanted to know, yes, do you do you do you practice your faith on a regular basis? And I'll tell you, um, oh, this was the other question that we had there. Uh, one of the questions was, do, do you find it was something along the lines of, uh, is faith important to your life? So, so we didn't say specific faith or any of that. Uh, and but you'd imagine most Americans, whatever their religious practice, whatever their their faith tradition or what have you, they would say, well, yeah, faith is important. You know, just as a generic question, the majority of the people in our jury pool, and I think it was a strong majority, did not have, uh, did not find it to be inf- important to their lives. And so, walking in. We had a, it was a tough, it's a tough thing uh, uh, when you're looking at, you know, the, the, these are very weighty topics, uh, the issue of abortion, but not just abortion, but uh, manipulating abortion procedures without the consent of the patient, you know, uh, uh, live births uh, happening during abortions and, and the babies being left to die or even being, you know, vivisected for, for, for uh, their fetal tissue. I mean, horrific stuff. But imagine trying to present that to a group that does not find faith important. And you're not even you're not quite sure what is our where is their moral foundation? What do they find to be important? Where do they go when they need to determine right from wrong? It was very difficult. It was very difficult. This is an important story, and uh, the issues are not going to go away until this is decided one way or the other. So, as you pointed out, uh, 
David is the happy warrior and he's fighting the good fight. And also are you as well. Thank you so much for being on the program. Thank you, Kit. Great to be with you. You've been listening to Free to be Faithful, produced by Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Thank you for listening and supporting Free to be Faithful on Worldwide KFUO.